Hello you guys, it's Katie and welcome back to another episode of Crime and Crochet. In this week's episode, we're going to be discussing the case of Charles Albright, a serial killer who was also known as the Eyeball Killer. Charles Albright was born on August 10th of 1933 in Amarillo, Texas, where he was placed into an orphanage and then later adopted by his parents, Dell and Fred Albright. His adoptive mother was a school teacher and reportedly was really strict and overprotective. Specifically with his grades, she was really strict and even managed to help him skip two grades. So he would have been in classes with kids that were two years older than him because of skipping those grades. Now, when he was really young, apparently he was interested in taxidermy. And when he got his first gun, he would shoot animals. And I guess because of his love of taxidermy, his mother would help him with taxidermying. Is that a word? Y'all, I have no idea. I'm sorry. But anyway, she would help him with his interest in this. And also, by the age of 13, he is already involved in some petty crime and was arrested for aggravated assault. Then, at the age of 15, he's graduating high school and enrolled in the North Texas University. So, from a young age, he already was a really good student, but he did also have these troubles with the law. Like, when he was going to college, he expressed an interest in being a doctor or a surgeon, so he started taking pre-med classes, but he failed to complete the training, and then at the age of 16, the police caught him with some stolen petty cash along with two handguns and a rifle, and that is when he was sent to jail for a year. After his release from jail, he did attend the Arkansas State Teachers College and majored in pre-med studies, but after being found with some stolen items, he was expelled from the college, but this time he was not prosecuted. Without being able to go to college now, he just decides to forge his own diplomas, which seems insane, you guys. I mean, he gives himself a bachelor's and a master's degree and after this he ends up marrying his college girlfriend and they have a daughter together he also continues to forge checks he was caught forging checks when he was actually working as a high school teacher and he was placed on probation for forging these checks then in 1985 him and his wife separate but it takes until 1974 for them to actually legally divorce. Next, he was caught stealing hundreds of dollars worth of merchandise from a hardware store, and he received two years in prison for that, but he ended up only serving less than six months before being released, and that is when he begins to befriend and gain trust of some of his neighbors, and he even starts to babysit some of the local kids, I'm assuming for money at this time, because it doesn't say anything about him having a job. And now is where I would like to 
give a trigger warning because we are about to talk about molestation and as we get into the rest of this episode he is a serial killer so we're obviously going to talk about murder so this is your trigger warning to click off now if any of that is going to bother you this is when in 1981 while visiting some friends he sexually molested their 14 year old daughter and luckily he was prosecuted for this and pled guilty and still received probation he later claimed that he was innocent but pled guilty to avoid a hassle which is disgusting and how did he only get probation oh my goodness anyways in 19 84 a few years later he applied to be the leader of a boy scout group and was rejected which hello you have a molestation charge of a 14 year old why would you uh, be accepted for that anyways a year later in 1985 in arkansas he met a woman named dixie and invited her to live with him Soon she was paying his bills and supporting him. He delivered newsletters in the early morning, apparently to visit prostitutes without arousing Dixie's suspicion. So that is crazy, y'all. But with that, we're going to get into his victims, which started happening a few years after this. His first believed victim was Mary Lou Pratt, who was 33, and her body was found on December 13th of 1990. She was a well-known prostitute in the Oak Cliff neighborhood of Dallas, and she was found dead wearing only a t-shirt and a bra. She had been shot in the back of the head with a 44 caliber gun, She was also badly beaten, and the medical examiner did note that the killer removed both of her eyes with surgical precision and had probably taken them with him, which, as I'm sure you can connect the dots, that surgical precision is most likely linked to his time in college taking pre-med classes. His second believed victim was Susan Beth Peterson, who was a 27-year-old prostitute. Her body was found on the same street as his previous victim, this time on February 10th, 1991, so just about two months later, and she was nearly nude and had been shot three times, once in the back of her head, once in the top of her head, and once in her left breast. The medical examiner found that her eyes had been removed as well, and at this point, that's when they started to realize they had a serial killer on their hands. In some serial killer cases, it is really hard for them to determine which victims are killed by the same killer, but this one seems pretty obvious, at least that these first two victims were killed by the same person because they were found on the same street. They were both prostitutes and they were both missing their eyeballs. So it seems pretty logical that they were killed by the same person. 
His third and final believed victim was found exactly a month later on March 10th of 1991. Her name was Shirley Williams. She was also a prostitute. She was found dead lying near an elementary school and a witness found her body nude and propped up against a curb. Her two eyes had been removed just like the two previous victims and she had facial bruises a broken nose and had been shot in the face and through the top of her head and again because of her eyeballs missing she was attributed to the same killer on march 23rd of 1991 he was arrested and charged with three counts of murder his trial begun on december 13th of 1991 and most of their evidence was circumstantial, such as hairs that were found on Shirley Williams' body that belonged to Albright. And on December 18th of 1991, the jury deliberated and found him guilty of only Shirley Williams' murder, I guess because that was pretty much the only physical DNA evidence they had, but this was enough to give him a life imprisonment and he did end up dying in prison on August 22nd of 2020 at the age of 80. And, I mean, y'all, that is basically it for this case. It does suck that he wasn't convicted for the other two victims, but he did live out the rest of his life in prison and did not get the opportunity to hurt anybody else, so that's really what matters. For this week's crochet pattern feature, we have the Merletto Market Bag by Days Crochet NC on Instagram. And this is a free pattern that is on her blog, which you can find at daysck.com. And this is a super fun summer bag, and it is an easy two-row repeat that is sort of mindless, but it creates a beautiful stitch. And it sells very well at markets. If any of you are going to markets this summer and selling your products, this pattern is considered a advanced beginner to intermediate skill level. So good for all kinds of crocheters as well. If you guys are interested in checking out this pattern, I think it's super gorgeous. And I've been meaning to make a market bag. So if you're in the same boat as me, I think this is a great one to check out. So again, she is Days Crochet NC on Instagram. That is Days D A Y S Crochet NC on Instagram, and her website is DaysCK.com, where you can find this pattern. I will also have it linked on my Instagram, which is just at Crime and Crochet, as well as she'll be tagged in the post. All of that if you guys want to see everything in one spot. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Crime and Crochet. I really hope you enjoyed. If you did, the best way you can help me out is to leave a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are currently listening on, as well as if you do want to see more from me, you can always check me out on all of my social medias. They are either at Crime and Crochet or at Crime and Crochet Podcast. Either way, you're going to see the same little logo that I have on the podcast on all of my social medias as well. So 
if you see that, then you know you're in the right spot. As well as if y'all do want to see more crochet related content and you didn't know, I am just at Katie Being Creative for all of my regular crochet content that doesn't involve true crime. So that is on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Etsy, Ribbler, pretty much everywhere. I am just Katie Being Creative as all one word if you guys are interested in checking that out. And with all of that, again, thank you so much for listening, and I will hopefully see you guys in next Sunday's episode of Crime and Crochet. And of course, as always, make sure y'all are staying safe out there so you don't become one of these victims we talk about every week. Bye, y'all! Thank you.